You're listening to the Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley. Hope is an act of resistance. This is something that we must never forget because it can be easy to look around in the world, everything that's going on, how the powers that be attempt to manipulate and control us. And it can be easy to start to feel hopeless, to become blackpilled, as they call it. And we have to remember that the number one goal of a demoralization psychological operation campaign is to create a feeling of hopelessness in the target group. They're not as powerful as we make them out to be, and they know it. They know that a unified questioning public is a more than formidable opponent to them, and it scares them. And that's why they carry out this divide and rule operations to try and turn us against each other and these demoralization campaigns to make us feel like there's nothing that we or anyone else can do because it lessens the resistance that they have to overcome. So when we look at the state of the world and we swallow the black pill and we accept the hopelessness that comes with it, we're giving them exactly what they want. We're serving their agenda. They want us to be blackpilled. They want us to feel hopeless. They need us to feel hopeless because a hopeless public does not resist. Therefore, hope in and of itself is an act of resistance. Never forget that. We can be questioning, skeptical, even cynical while remaining hopeful. And I can tell you that seeing the world through a hopeful, even skeptical lens doesn't just make you feel better. It gives you practical, real-world results. It enables you to see opportunities that you do not see when hopelessness reigns, when it takes over you. You can accomplish things that you otherwise would not have been able to when you have hope. I know it's not easy. I know we can't just flip a switch and be hopeful. It takes practice. It takes finding inspiration. It takes doing something that you feel is worthwhile, which is why I want to tell you about something today that inspires me and helps me maintain hope, especially in the face of some of the most difficult times, because I think it's worthwhile to share this with you. And while it is a story that relates to my life, I believe that it can be a source of inspiration for anyone that is going through a difficult time or who may be feeling hopeless because of the state of the world and the way they see things right now. Most of you know, if you've listened to this show, that my dad died last month and that my mom died kind of around the same time last year. I lost both my parents over the span of 11 months. And we also just lost my uncle last week. They are all loved and they are all missed and they will continue to be missed. And while I have told you a little bit about that, what I haven't told you is, at least not in detail, is the story of how my mom and dad, despite being written off time and time again, despite facing an impossible situation, how they overcame the odds over and over and over again and accomplished things that they were told that they never would because of the situation that they faced. And I do want to emphasize, I'm not telling the story because I want to share something personal. I'm telling it because I hope that others can find inspiration in it for their own lives because it is truly extraordinary. My dad was always a, a big believer in the power of a positive attitude, a hopeful attitude. And after my mom got sick years ago with a rare disease and things got really tough, he taped these sayings, these things that inspired him above his computer screen on his desk so that he could see them every morning when he went to go do his work. Every day he got up to try and help my mom and make things better for my mom while she was sick. And he had those sayings there to help him stay focused, stay positive, stay optimistic. And one of the things that he had up there was a newspaper clipping from somewhere that was a quote. I'm not sure who said the quote, 
but it was titled Attitude. And here's what it said. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. My dad absolutely lived his life playing that string. He woke up every day and he chose a positive attitude. He chose a hopeful attitude. My mom first got sick back in 2003. Not long after her and my dad had retired and begun to do what they had always dreamed of doing once their youngest child, me, was finally out of the house. And that is to spend their golden years together traveling the world. They had worked their whole lives making sure that me and my three siblings were taken care of. Nothing came before us and each other to them. Their family meant everything to them. They were truly wonderful parents. I'm blessed to have had them as mine. Shortly after their time came to live their dream together, something happened that changed those plans. And that is my mom got sick. Start off as a small imbalance like you might have when you have an inner ear infection or something, which is one of the first misdiagnoses she received. Progressively, it got worse. First, it made it hard for her to walk. Not long after that, she couldn't walk at all. Not long after that, she was unable to control her arms and legs. And what's worse is that no one could figure out what it was. No one could help her. My mom's body was slowly betraying her. And no matter how many doctors and specialists that my parents went to, no one could tell us what was going on, let alone help them stop it. I can never imagine the fear my mom felt during those eight months of misdiagnosis, nor could I imagine how my dad felt watching as my mom went from an athlete, a nurse, healthy and vibrant person, to being wheelchair-bound. No matter what his best efforts, he couldn't find anyone or do anything to prevent it. It was around eight or nine months before a doctor was finally able to figure out what it was. I mean, and this was after seeing a lot of different doctors. And we were told that by the time they discovered the problem, that it was too late to stop it. It had run its course. Had they been able to figure it out sooner, they might have been able to stop it from getting as bad as it got. What my mom had was called peroneoplastic cerebellar degeneration. It's a rare disease. I believe there was less than 500 known cases at that point in time in 2003. It's an autoimmune reaction that your body has to a cancer. In her case, ovarian. It's usually ovarian or lung cancer, I believe. And it occurs in less than 1% of cancer patients. Basically, your body attacks the cancer and, in her case, killed the cancer. But along with that, it attacks and kills what's called Purkinje cells in your brain. 
those cells are like the communication mechanism that carries your not involuntary but automatic movements the motor skills communication so you have a thought or you go to move your arm or something and it rapidly sends that communication and you move your arm it takes away that communication device it's the sole output of all motor communication in your brain's cortex your cerebral cortex i probably said that word wrong but without it you lose control of your motor functions of your arms and legs and it leaves you wheelchair bound like it did my mom but she wasn't a paraplegic because you can still feel your arms and your legs. You just can't control them, meaning you could still feel pain. So she had also developed, her body had developed unpredictable spasms. At any point in time, her body might tense up like a board. I mean, I'd never seen anything like it before, and it would cause her intense pain. Now, this not only caused this pain, for extended periods of time sometimes, it was very difficult for her. But since it could happen at unpredictable times, it could be dangerous for both her and whoever might be helping her at that time. For instance, helping her transfer from her wheelchair to her bed. If she were to have a spasm at that time, her body would kind of tense up like a board and whoever is doing that transfer has to be ready for that. Otherwise, both of them could fall. And on top of that, it had become difficult for her to speak as well. I should say one thing to note here is that her mind outside of those cells was fine. She was sharp. She was smart. She could think clearly. And she was very aware of what was going on. And she knew what she wanted to say. However, it had become very difficult for her to express what she wanted to say due to the impact that the illness had on her body. You can imagine how frustrating that might be trying to say something to someone that no one in the room could quite make out, or they keep getting it wrong trying to guess what it is. Because when that first happens, if you're not in the medical industry, you don't think that the way that you communicate is you get a board, you put all the letters on the board, and you end up having to go one letter at a time and spell it out. And even that could grow to be frustrating for the person trying to communicate it if they're unable to get the word or the letter out in a way that other people could understand. It was hard. It was especially hard for my mom, especially hard for my dad. I mean, nobody teaches you about stuff like this because most people, a lot of people don't, don't go through this type of specific stuff. Actually, I think more people do than we realize. I just think when it's a rare disease, you don't hear as much about it, so you don't hear the stories as much. And people weren't on the internet as much back then as they are now. But we were all scared. We didn't know what to do. We just wanted somebody to help. We just wanted to find an answer. We just wanted mom to get better. And, and with so much pain and so much unknown, it was very hard. Those early years, I remember them vividly because even the smallest things were difficult. Brushing your teeth, putting on your shirt, eating, everything was very difficult because of the way that her body would react in unpredictable ways. And what's worse is that after being misdiagnosed for eight months, we were now being told by doctors that, you know, now that they know what it is, that nothing could be done. No one could help. She'll be dead in two years. That's what we were told. We were told she'd be dead in two years. They spent their whole life relying on doctors to help you 
when you're in a dire situation, dire health situation, and here my parents were facing the most dire of health situations and the authorities, the experts that they had come to lean on their whole life, their lifeline, were telling them, sorry, nothing we could do. She'll be dead in two years. You're on your own. Make sure you uh, make sure you, your insurance is, is paying on the way out. They looked at my mom as a lost cause. They immediately wrote her off when they looked at her just because by her appearance, they had never seen anything like it before. And so in their mind, it's there's nothing that they could do. On top of telling her that she'd be dead in two years, we were also told she'd never walk again. She'd never get over the painful spasms in her body. She'd never eat again without the feeding tube. And she'd never be able to really talk again. And on various occasions, doctors spoke bluntly right in front of her, thinking that she wasn't aware or wasn't smart because of the way that she looked due to this condition. They just bluntly and loudly talked about how they believed she was about to die, like in the coming days. I had some conversations with a couple of doctors, told them never ever to do that again, because she could very clearly understand what they're talking about. She could hear them perfectly fine. And that the effect that that type of statements has on somebody's psychologically and emotionally, it can be demoralizing. And to their credit, they did not do it again. I, I learned to cut those things off because I watched my dad. I, I, I watched my dad as he got better and better at, at being a, a caregiver, watching him ask questions and realize that it was up to him. It was up to my mom. It was up to us if we were going to help her and him act accordingly. It was, I mean, it was amazing. It's unbelievable what he was able to accomplish. This situation they faced that I just described is utterly hopeless, seemingly impossible situation that they faced. Nearly everyone that they sought to help them was not able to help, but instead ensured them of just how hopeless the situation is and how much of a lost cause she was and how it's not worth even trying. Think about that. The only people that you go to tell you you're on your own. And you don't have experience doing that. My dad wasn't a doctor. My dad was a nurse. My mom was a nurse. My mom took care of us, took care of my dad. My mom saved my dad's life at least once, probably multiple times, when she insisted that he get to the doctor because she recognized something going on with him that was not right. And she followed her nurse instincts and she, she saved his life. But we were not the medical ones. We did not have that knowledge. My dad was very smart, but this was foreign to him. So what do you do? What do you do in that situation? An impossible situation where everybody tells you you're about to die. It's over. It's nothing, can, nothing you can do. We can't even help. We barely even know what it is ourselves. We don't have any knowledge or experience. So you just got to go figure that out on your own. No one would blame somebody who gave up in that situation. I mean, it'd be pretty easy to give up in that situation. What are you supposed to do to overcome this? Where do you even start? With attitude. That's where you start, is you start with attitude. You can be hopeless and accept your fate, a fate assigned to you by others who are blinded not only by their hopelessness, but by the limitations of their own knowledge. And you can die. Or you can choose hope. You can choose a positive, hopeful attitude to guide your search for solutions. You can behave in a way where you know that there are people out there who can help you, where you know that there are answers out there to be found. You can search knowing that this illness will be solved one day. Why not today? You can have a mindset that sees the opportunities that the hopeless miss and act accordingly. 
And that's exactly what my mom and dad did. When you are hopeless, you do not see opportunities because hopelessness is so close to giving up on things. And when people give up, they don't see the ways to escape the situation they're in. And there's always ways. You can certainly find a better life or a better outcome than you ever would find when you accept hopelessness, when you accept negative attitudes that tell you nothing can be done. There can always be something done. And my mom and dad did not accept that attitude, no matter how difficult it got for them. And it was very difficult. He always had a hopeful attitude, a positive attitude, and he was driven by that. And that is why they were able to do what they were able to do, because what happened next is absolutely extraordinary. My dad transformed himself from someone who had no idea what he was doing, no medical experience into, and I believe this, I really believe this, into the world's greatest caregiver. I am not exaggerating when I say that. He got up every day, helped my mom with her breakfast, with her medicine, with everything that needed to be done. Then he researched, made phone calls, asked questions, called doctors, got organized. Man, the organizational skills that man had were unbelievable, world-class, amazing. He applied the interpersonal and organizational skills that enabled him to succeed during his business career where he was earning to take care of his family. And he applied that to helping find a way to improve my mom's life. At one point, he and my uncle even began building medical equipment in his basement that was good medical equipment that is still at their house today. I mean, I was shocked. Some of this stuff is, you think it came right out of a a hospital. It's so good. You don't do things like that unless you have hope, unless you have a positive attitude. He and my mom became unfazed by doctors who wrote them off. Those doctors just became someone that got scratched off the list. And then you go find one who believes, who has the same kind of attitude that they had. And that's exactly what they did. Slowly but surely, my parents surrounded themselves by doctors, therapists, specialists who had the same type of positive, hope-filled attitude as my mom and dad did who believed, who knew exactly what my dad knew was possible, and that is that my mom could improve. And people who were more than willing to enthusiastically help them, they found themselves a team of people who had hope. And this changed everything. Absolutely everything. They were now surrounded by all these people who believed in my mom, who saw through my mom's illness when they saw her, who didn't look at her with pity, who didn't write her off, who saw her for the person that she was, who knew her mind was sharp, who had fun with her, who brought her joy, and who helped my mom do all of the things that she previously had been told she would never do again. All of them. Every single one of them. My mom was able to retrain her brain and regain some of the control of her arms and legs, enabling her to walk steps again with help something that she was told she'd never be able to do again. She was able to control her wheelchair with her legs, something that they never thought she'd be able to do. She was able to get her feeding tube removed and eat and enjoy food again, something she was told she'd never do again. And she was able to overcome the painful spasms that kept her in so much pain for so long that she was told she'd always have to endure. And she absolutely 
absolutely did not die within two years. She lived 18 more years, exceeded their assurances by 16 years. She got to spend 18 more Christmases with her family. She got to watch my nieces and nephews, her grandchildren grow up. She got to do what she's always loved doing, which is take care of us. She was always taking care of us. She never stopped. Like I said, she was a nurse before all of this, and she never stopped being a nurse to us. She always helped. She could spot problems on us, and that was sometimes why she'd get frustrated when we couldn't understand what she was saying. She did. We did improve her ability to speak through speech therapy and everything, and we could understand her, and she could let us know. She could answer questions for us. When my dad had a stroke back in 2019 in December, my mom was who helped me help my dad. She was the one who told me what he needed. She was the one who told me foods, medication, to make sure this, make sure that, ask this question, ask that. She was the one. My mom got to live. She got to laugh. She got to love. And she got to be there to take care of her family like she always had. She was there for us for 18 more years, despite being assured she only had two left. That never would have happened had they accepted the fate assigned to them by the hopeless. That never would have happened if her and my dad especially did not maintain that positive attitude, that hopeful attitude, and did not act accordingly. The only way to escape an impossible situation is with hope. And in the world we live in right now, where many feel that they have little control, or that they're being oppressed. Hope is an act of resistance. My dad's and my mom's insistence on remaining positive and hopeful, even in the face of a situation everybody else called impossible, enabled them to do extraordinary things that, quite honestly, when it comes to people that had that disease, I think that they probably did something that nobody else in the world had ever done. I did try to look this up. I was trying to see how long people have been able to live with that condition to the extent that it had affected my mom. And I couldn't find any numbers or any information, but they probably did something that nobody in the world has ever done. And it was driven by hope and a positive attitude. And they were faced with nothing but darkness. So I know it's not easy when we feel down or overwhelmed or like helpless. But never forget that that is the feeling that those who want to demoralize you, that is how they want you to feel. And know that it's cliche, but it's true. There is always light through the darkness. There is always an opportunity. But if our minds and our eyes are blinded, by hopelessness, then we won't see those opportunities. We'll miss them. I hope that there was something in that that you guys can take away that inspires you in any aspect in your life when you ever feel backed into a corner. There's no way that I could have conveyed all that they actually went through and what they truly overcame. It was extraordinary. I hope that I did some service to it there. I don't know if I did, but hopefully I did because it is an inspiring story. And in fact, You can spread hope. There was a doctor who had initially written my mom off in the beginning who saw the progress that she made, saw that she got accepted to a therapy program that only allows 
people in when they're able to continue making progress, which despite what everybody told my mom, she was able to continue making progress, improving. It took a lot of hard work, a lot of great people around her. My dad's drive, my dad's attitude, his no, never quit. Neither one of them ever quit. And the doctor wrote a letter saying that he was wrong about his initial assessment of what my mom could and could not do. And that was really cool to see that he was inspired by what she had accomplished despite what his initial beliefs were. And I think that that just shows you that hope can spread. And the more people that have hope, the better. And I mean hope connected to action, not flowery Obama poster type hope. I mean hope connected to actual action and tangible results. That's where it starts. I really do hope that this was, I keep saying hope, oh my gosh, that there's something in this that can inspire or be beneficial in some way to you all. Thank you all for listening. Y'all, y'all are wonderful and have a fantastic rest of your day.